Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Welcome, everyone, to a fresh episode of GTF, Gabriel Talks Football. I'm laughing because <laughs> Greg told me something just before we came on, and he's going to share it with you momentarily. Uh, just quick programming note, uh, tomorrow we're back here live, uh, Bear Their Souls. By the way, uh, Dan Aguirre and Mr. Shorty have a show on uh, tonight. What is it called? It is called Last Call at Hallis Hall with Dan Aguirre and Mr. Shorty, so make sure you check that out on the uh, Bears Country Productions YouTube site. And uh, we've got tons of more programming throughout the week related to Chicago Bears, also Chicago Blackhawks, Chicago Bulls. So we've got you covered here at the Barroom Network for all your sporting talk needs. Let me bring in the man of the hour right now. He is Greg Gabriel. Greg, how are you, my friend? I'm wonderful. How are you? I feel really, really good after that victory yesterday. I thought that it was a statement. <laughs> Uh, but you're telling me that it's not. Not even close. Uh, tell me not why. Not even close. Well, first of all, yeah, the record says, oh, they beat a real good team. You know what reality is? That's a really shitty football team. <laughs> okay. Yeah, they've won a lot of games. Do you know how many teams they have beat with a winning record all year? One. One. And that was the first game of the year. They haven't beat a team with a winning record since. So, and that was in way back in week month, one. And in the last month, they have been they have been the best team in the NFC North. Level. So, how is that a statement win? It's a nice win. Mm -hmm. It's a division win. You you want to win it? Mm -hmm. Not a statement win. Go out and beat Philly. That's a statement win. Mm hmm. Beat San okay. Francisco. That's a statement win. But beat a shitty Detroit team with a quarterback that's putrid? That, that, those are all very good points. Uh, if you look at it from this standpoint, a team that has not won two in a row since the 2022 season uh, or 2021 season, the uh, week 16 and 17, a team that has lost so many division games, a team that has had trouble uh, learning to win uh, and closing out games, perhaps from that definition, it's a statement win. No, it's still not a statement. It, it, they're, and I wrote, I wrote this morning, it was on the defense for Windy City Gridiron. I said, you know, why is, why is the defense all of a sudden become good? Well, there's really a number of reasons. Part of it is the players. They got some pretty good players on the defensive side of the ball. Mm -hmm. But let's look at the real reason is the front seven, except for Jones, is entirely new this year. Okay. And the key player, the most valuable player of that front seven, has only been here about a month. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, and it takes time 
for these guys to come together and gel. And a preseason, you know, he had injuries going on. You didn't you didn't get um and Gakwe until you know he didn't even play until the the opening game. Mm-hmm. And so it, it it's it took a half a season to get mm-hmm. these guys all on the same page. And now that they are, and it obviously it helped, I think, that the Flues took over the defense. And uh, so now, you know, the, they've learned to play together. They know each other's strengths and weaknesses. They know how to play off each other mm-hmm. and work with each other. And they're playing a lot better. So, you know, now if the offense can do the same, that'd be pretty good. But the offense is still inconsistent. Mm-hmm. No going with the same narrative I've had for weeks. And ain't the players. Hmm. You know, that, that first drive was excellent. And the calling in that first play call in that drive was excellent. Some of the other times, you get down uh, in the red zone and, and the play calling was atrocious. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. There's no doubt about it. Do you think that if they win in Cleveland, just to jump ahead momentarily, and then we'll get back to uh, yesterday's win, do you think if they win in Cleveland, that would be a statement win? It would be a lot more than yesterday. Cleveland got a good <laughs> football team. I mean, hell, look what they did to Jacksonville yesterday. Yeah, with Joe Flacco at quarterback. Yeah, yeah that's going to be a very – I'll be honest. I don't expect the Bears to win that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I said – I, I've been on record as saying the flu said it went four out of five. This is the one I, I'm, I've never put. If they win, that's great. Mm-hmm. You know, being on the road against a team with as good a defense as Cleveland has, mm-hmm. that's very, very, very difficult. Uh, good news is this team is, the Bears team is coming together at the right time. Mm-hmm. And, and they're playing better football. They're making less mistakes. They're making more big plays. Uh, they're figuring out what it takes to win a game. And that's part of all, uh, you know, the maturity of, of growing uh, as a team. So that part's all good, but you can't take away from their opponent next Sunday, which is a damn good football team. And oh, now the two after that, they should win. Yeah. And then you finish up with the Cheddarheads. And <laughs> that, you know, <clears throat> reality is that game, if let, let's say they lose against uh, Cleveland, they beat the next two because the NFC as a whole sucks after the top couple teams. Even with a losing record, that could be going in looking for a playoff spot. That's right. You know, so, you know, that game will be very, very important. And I I think it'll be very, very important when, you know, the the final discussion on what's going to happen going forward. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, a lot of people are agreeing with you. Uh, you know, beating the Browns would be would be a statement uh, type win. All right, I want to get back to yesterday's game because uh, there was some moments uh, that I want to talk to you about. The first one is the uh, first touchdown that the Bears scored. You immediately tweeted out, look at Braxton Jones getting out there and blocking. And you will see him here a number of times. This is uh, a, a DJ Moore run. But it's not only Braxton, Greg. It's like Everybody on that side of the ball just threw some great blocks. Rashawn Johnson. Uh, well, st- uh, Pat Patrick had a good block. Yeah, but, Lucas but, Patrick, the but, center. He, he, what, the point I'm making is look at look at the movement skills on Braxton Jones. He looks mm-hmm. like a freaking linebacker. Yeah, number seven. You know, the way he moves. And, and I can't get over. People think, well, we still got to get a left tackle. Mm-hmm. They're out of their mind. They don't know what a left tackle looks like yet because that's what a left tackle looks like. Yep. And, exactly. and, and in the not too distant future, he will be one of the elite left tackles in the league. There's mm-hmm. no ifs, ands, or buts about it. This guy has got, I, keep, I, I say it week after week after week, rare left tackle traits. Mm-hmm. He had mm-hmm. to learn how to play the game. He came from a very poor FCS program. Mm-hmm. He didn't have what the guys at Georgia and Alabama and Michigan have. Came mm-hmm. from Southern Utah. <laughs> okay, so he was behind. And even though he was behind, he still started and played every play as a rookie. That tells you the kind of talent he has. So for anybody who even attempts to think that they got to go out and use one of those first-round picks on a, on a left tackle, totally out of their mind, and don't know what talent looks like because it's staring them right in the face. Love it. Love it. Braxton Jones, indeed, uh, looking really good. Now, the other play uh, that I wanted to share with you is on the Lions' first series. Uh, after the game, Jervon Dexter was asked about the mentality of the team, and he said, when Yannick Ndakwe got this sack, that that immediately lit a fuse under the entire defense. And you see Ndakwe there on, on the circle. Uh, this was just a great motivator for this Bears defense. And interestingly, it's a six-man uh, rush. Uh, it's a blitz that Eberflus called in the very first series, something that he has not done much in his past as a defensive coordinator with the Colts in his first year and a half with the Chicago Bears. Yeah, but he also, and Gakwe also bull rushed the shit out of Decker. <laughs> he sure did. I love the I way mean, you put it. <laughs> I mean, you know, play that back. He gets a, uh-huh. Decker's like six, 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 seven. Okay. Mm-hmm. And Gakwe's six to an ad. He gets underneath him and look at him just drive him back. He drove him back seven yards. He sure did. Yep. He sure did. Here it is one more time. He, uh, uh, so he gets under him. The footwork from Decker is a little, little messy there, isn't it? Well, yeah, but he, he still. But who created that messiness? Gotcha. You know, and, and so I mean that that is that's a pitcher perfect bull rush right there. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, I, I, I I'm going to play this on a loop for a minute or so because this is what they could do to Joe Flacco, who has about as much mobility as Jared Goff. Get oh, that. Yeah. Hey, Get that. Golf, look, golf looks like Justin Fields. Next 
<laughs> I love it. Just get that. Flacco was like that. Flacco was like that when he came out of college a hundred years ago. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then the uh, the big play of the game, of course, was when the team was tied, and Chad Hutchinson, who in the post game interviews was in tears practically uh, because of his mental error here. He jumped off sides on a fourth down and thirteen. He jumps off side and. Fields has this free play and immediately recognizes the one-on-one with DJ Moore and hits him for now, the you, you touchdown. Got that play, you got that play like that from – okay, let me just see the beginning. I just want to see – because I heard somebody make a comment that Justin checked the play at the line of scrimmage. I do not believe that to be true at all. Yeah, I, I, I don't – think they went to the – when they've got automatics mm-hmm. that when a guy jumps like that, Mm-hmm. They right. automatically go into a yep. certain play. And his cadence did help mm-hmm. in in uh, al- allowing or helping the uh, uh, Bears defensive lineman into uh, – or the Bears, the Lions defensive lineman into jumping offside. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, when that happens – as good as that play was, you, you know, most of the time the defense goes into uh-oh mode, and, you know, and, and then they don't really compete, for lack of a better word. And mm-hmm. those plays are there for the taking. Not all the time. But in that case, it was because, I mean, he wasn't even covered, for Christ's sake. He had the yeah. guy beaten by six yards. That's good. Um, interestingly, uh, Montez Sweat, uh, talked about the culture in the Chicago Bears. And I thought this was a really good soundbite from him because it talks about something that you've been talking about is that Iberflus has not lost this team. This is Montez Sweat after the game talking about the Chicago Bears and their head coach. Where I came from, it was, you know what I'm saying? It was kind of like uh, just waiting on the season and, and kind of. But here it's like uh, every week, you know, it's, it's a new challenge and, People want to play for the for the man beside him, man. That's that's what I'm here Does for. Does Eberflus have something to do with kind of setting that tone? Sir? Does Coach Eberflus have something to do with kind of setting that tone every week too? Yeah, I mean, he's Coach uh, Flus is a great coach, bro. He he keeps us motivated. Um, it's a I, I never seen a head coach uh, run the team and call defensive plays, so that's that's new for me. But but a lot of respect for him as a coach. I think that that's quite the tribute to Eberflus. And I'm not going to ask you this question because you've stated we're not going to talk about head coaching changes until after the season. And that's after, totally fair. It, it's got to actually happen. It's just not okay. fair. Yes, and remember, totally. And as I said on, what was it, Friday when we did the show, I said mm-hmm. unless it becomes obvious, mm-hmm. which meant they would have had to lose yesterday, lose next week, Lose the week after, you know, where, okay, like, because if you lose to Arizona, then, you know, you're in trouble. Mm-hmm. Yes. That, that's really a, a poor football team. So, but it, until it's obvious, but, I, you know, I want to say one thing, though, because mm-hmm. I had a, a, a DM conversation with a, another guy from Windy City, and this is earlier this morning, and he said, he asked me, he goes, do you think, he goes, let's assume Flus keeps his job. He said, who do you think he'll make as D.C.? 
And right away I said, he'll name the same DC who's the DC now. Why shouldn't he? Why fuck up a good thing? Yeah. You know, and, well, there's no coaches that are defensive coordinators. Yeah, but there's a bunch of them that are offensive coordinators. So mm-hmm. why can't there be one on the defensive side of the ball? Correct. And there have in the past. There have been the, yeah, in the past. Yeah, right? you, know, so I, you know, to me, why ruin a good thing? Mm-hmm. You know, I agree. Andy Reid's the offensive coordinator in, in, in uh, not name. The name has got head coach. He's the mm-hmm. offensive coordinator. Well, Connell's yeah. the OC in in uh, Minnesota, not the guy who got the DUI yesterday. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> Brian Daybol runs the offense in New York, mm-hmm. not the guy who has the title. You know, you go all over the league and you find that out. And those coaches call the plays for the most part. You know, so why can't you do it on the D? Now, Belichick did for a number of years. Mm. He did. That's right. He was one you of know, them. Yeah. You know, so, you know, I, I, I don't think. I mean, that, that's my, my, my thinking anyway. I just don't, don't think you, you mess with something good. It's working. Don't break it. Yeah, I'm hoping that the media today will ask uh, Coach Eberflus what impact Phil Snow has had on this defense because it seems that there is a correlation. Phil Snow. Uh, enters, starts providing scouting reports uh, for the next opponent and for the opponent two weeks from now. Uh, and that has had to have helped this team in their preparation for, for this team. Because Phil Snow, as you've told me, is he's a great football mind. Well, yeah, but, I mean, he, he's, he's working a week ahead. Mm-hmm. He's concentrating on nothing but the opponent's offense. That's his job. And, and – so he's working on different ways to attack that particular scheme or take away from that particular scheme. And so, yeah, that's got to be, got to be a help mm-hmm. you know, because he's going to give them in doing that. He's giving them a lot more than the pro department gives them. The pro department, when they, when they do their advanced stuff, a lot of it is they'll tell you who can do what. Mm-hmm. You know, you know what I mean. On each, of the, they they can break down the individual players. Okay, but they're not necessarily getting into scheme and what the scheme does good and what to look for tendencies, that type of thing. And I think that's what. And I could be totally wrong on this. But, you know, I think that was the whole purpose of bringing him in is to get that set of eyes to just concentrate. And, and part of it, too, is because Flus is, you know, carrying out a double job right now. He needs that help. You know, so it's, uh, it's invaluable to him. Yeah. Yesterday on Bear Football, Danny Shim and, and Coach T talked about maybe the Bears should consider bringing in a senior offensive uh, advisor to help Luke Getze with the play calling. And it's somebody perhaps that you know has had experience uh, dealing with offenses that have athletic quarterbacks as opposed to somebody who is – you know, uh, experience with pocket quarterbacks like uh, like uh, Getze was with Aaron Rodgers. What do you think of that? Um, it, it's not gonna. 
change the play calling because the play calling is instantaneous, you know, play down and distance, play after play. Right. And, and that goes for flu soup. Now, can it have an effect on game plan? Mm -hmm. Yes. And, and that means, you know, what, what calls you're putting on the play sheet itself, but still it's the guy making the calls who determines what the play, you know, you, you if you look at those sheets, they're all down and distance related. Mm -hmm. You know, you may got you know six or seven plays for a certain down and distance. It's not like third and five. It could be third and five to seven. You know, third and two to four. That, that type of thing. You got calls for different for different areas, and but he chooses the particular play. Bears and Cigars says, I think Allen Williams just stunk and Flus is a great DC. That That is quite possible, right? That Allen Williams, the job was just too big for him? Hey, you know, <clears throat> we can say that. Are we being accurate? Who the hell knows? Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, the reality <laughs> is he had one game this year, Green Bay, and then he quit for whatever reason. You're still sticking to that story, right? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Jalen Johnson uh, recorded another interception. And uh, after the game, he was asked, was this a statement win? Was today a statement win? And if so, what's the statement y'all made? I mean, we just trying to get to the playoffs. So, I mean, we, we know we, what we got to do to be able to get to the playoffs. So, we're just trying to do, do what we can um, and just keep fighting like we've been doing all season. How much I love the mentality. I, you know, he immediately switched that question to, you know, fuck all that statement shit. We're just trying to get to the playoffs. We just want to win yeah. out. You know, if they went out, you, know, you got to compare who the wins and losses are against because that matters, division loss and everything else. They went out. I think they might be in. Mm -hmm. But I don't want to go that way. Let's, let's one, you know, the best way to do this is one week at a time. Be Cleveland. And then, if you beat Cleveland, beat Arizona. And then beat Arizona, beat Atlanta. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then you better win the last one. Oh. <laughs> the coaching staff might get fired on the spot if they lose that last one. Although, you know, right now I think Green Bay is playing better than any of the division teams. Uh, is that a fair statement? Yeah, I got to look at who they played recently, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. they they beat Detroit on Thanksgiving. Do you know right. Detroit hasn't won a Thanksgiving game in like six years or something like that? Mm-hmm. That's and right. Detroit right now stinks. Come on, <laughs> let's be fair. The game before Thanksgiving, mm -hmm. I think, was the Bears game, wasn't it? Uh, yes, it was. Yes. Okay, well, who should have won that game? Mm -hmm. Who gave it right back to them? Yeah. Right now, Detroit might be the worst team in the division. I don't care what the record says. Wow. I'm saying, I'm, I'm telling you how they are playing right now. You know, you, you, you they won early, but I need to go back because I was, I didn't, until I looked it up, I wasn't sure who their wins and losses were against. And then when I saw their, their only win against a winning team was the opening game of the season. 
And since then, they've beaten nobody. That's wild. That is wild. They have become the darlings of the media because of the personality of their head coach, Dan Campbell. He's got a larger-than-life personality. He's he's always got a great soundbite for the media, and he's, you know, rough and tough, kind of Ditka-esque coach. And I told uh, you when we had him in New York, I grew Dave never said boo. <clears throat> Guy never talked. Mm-hmm. Lions guy says, so if Detroit stinks, why are you guys talking about winning out then? <laughs> why not? Talk about, about I said I said they have to. I didn't say <laughs> we are. Yeah. I also said I didn't think they're going to win this week against Cleveland. So why doesn't go. the Lions guy listen to exactly what I'm saying? There you go, Lions guy. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> Lions podcast. Right? <laughs> There's got to be one available somewhere. You know, they've been trying to, to to build up God for the last two years, mm-hmm. and, and I tweeted out yesterday: golf is what he is, and he's shown the last month why the Rams wanted to get rid of him. He's a puss, and he stinks. You punch him in the mouth, it's all over. And he's been punching him out a lot in the last month. Yeah. And sacked a lot, a lot of interceptions. I um seven interceptions against the Bears alone in two games. Yeah, isn't that amazing? Whoa. I happened to listen to a little bit of a Lions podcast this morning on the Woodward Sports Network, and they were talking about Goff doesn't deserve a long-term contract. How quickly they turn on their quarterback, you know, and you know what? he's right. They're not. He uh-huh. is what he is. Give him perfect protection. How about this? I, I, one too long ago, I was reading Detroit at the best offensive line in the league. Well, this young, shitty Bears defensive line just got four sacks on him yesterday. Yeah. Well, Frank Ragnow, it was a big loss for that offensive line. And they had a center in no, there. No who, question. Yeah, but Glasgow played center before in the league. It's not like he's never played. And Correct. He's been a, and he's been a starter in the league. But, I, you know, I got my own take on that. And personally, I don't like what they did. They weakened two positions mm-hmm. to put – because Gladnow is not as good as the, as the starter. And then you had to put a backup in a guard. So now you're weaker at two positions. Mm-hmm. Get yourself a good backup center so you don't have to do that. Yeah, and, you know, the thing about the Lions, since we'll talk a little bit more about them, is that it's their defense. Aaron Glenn just does not run a good defense. They've given up 28 points. Against the Saints, they gave up 28 points. Against the Packers, they gave up 29 points. Against the Bears, 26. Against the uh, Chargers, 38. Uh, That's in their last three, four, five games. This defense is not nearly as good as they need to be in order to win. And Going not, as, not as good as they were they were made out to be. Yeah. Again, yeah. beginning of the year, I mean, you know, they were being anointed. Yeah. Uh, do you like Aiden Hutchinson? I mean, I wouldn't mind him as a oh, uh, yeah. part of the Bears. He's a hell of a football player. Despite the brain cramp he had yesterday. Anyway, his agent's a good friend. Oh, oh okay. Excellent. You, Excellent. you know who I'm talking about. Absolutely. Um 
well, let's talk about Justin Fields, his performance yesterday, because, you know, the storyline, the narrative has been he's being evaluated just like the coaching staff is in these last uh, uh, part of the season, this last third of the season. I thought he had a brilliant game. And, you know, of course there were some mistakes. He missed DJ Moore on a crossing pattern uh, and, and there were other blemishes, but, you know, Coach T on yesterday's uh, post-game show said something you know that I've been saying for many years about many of the Bears players that could come under criticism from France is players in the NFL make mistakes, even the great ones. <laughs> even Johnny Unitas missed open wide receivers. <laughs> they, they, they make bad plays, yeah. Did, did he play a perfect game? No. Was there inconsistency in this game? Yes. Mm -hmm. Did he play good enough to win? Yes. Did he make some big plays? Yes. You know, he's he's getting better. Is he exactly what we want? You know, I don't know if I really have the accurate answer because I still think with a brilliant offensive line, this guy might be a lot better than we've seen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, indeed. That That is a key. Jimmy Tony says Fields is still late on – uh, a lot of his throws probably won't ever change. There is there is some truth to that. I actually, you know, on on one of the red zone attacks, he had Darnell Mooney open by the cone, the near cone, but on the goal goal line cone, uh, and chose to go to DJ Moore at the far cone, uh, uh, who was a little more closely guarded. Now he could have hit DJ Moore with a better thrown pass, but the guy to hit was Darnell Mooney. It okay, might and that, and that may be that may be true, Aldo, but what we don't know, and I always try to say this when what's the progression? Who's number one? Who's number two? Who's number three? Yeah. Because he's got to go through that progression. Gotcha. Gotcha. So it's not a matter of, you know, oh, just throw the open guy. Throw to him. Right. Well, did he even get to him? That's because he's got to, you know, let's just say, I don't, you know, I remember the play, but I don't know what the hell the progression was. The mm -hmm. coach has got to tell you that. Mm -hmm. But let's just say Mooney was number three. Mm -hmm. you know, he isn't going to get to him for, you know, right away. Yeah. Now the more he the more he plays, the more experience he, he gets, mm -hmm. he will do that more quickly. You know, run through that progression. And then he might say, let's say you call that you call that play in the game and he went to more and it didn't work. Okay, but he remembers that. And he remembers, mm -hmm. well, it you know, Mooney was number three, but he was open. He couldn't say, I'm going three. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, but the and experience tells him that. And I'm not trying to make up, I'm just saying that that's what, that's what happens when you pick up a lot of experience. Mm -hmm. And, you know, how about, the, you know, this, Aaron Rodgers wasn't even playing, Justin Fields in his third year. In his third year, Aaron Rodgers was still sitting down the pine. All right. Learning. Yeah. Here's here's the play. Uh, yeah. Here's the play that I'm talking about. It's this uh, in the third quarter. And I'm going to, I'll play it again here in a little slower, but. He's there. open right there. Yep. Right. Initially he's open now, but who's right there. Is, is, yep. if, if he's number one, it both could have been out of his hand when Moody right. was at about the two yard line. 
Right. Okay. But again, what we don't know is who's number one. Mm -hmm. Because really, in reality, on that, Moore doesn't run a real good route. He was in position to get separation coming out of that break. Mm -hmm. He was in position to get like two to three yard separation because he already had it when he put his left foot in the ground and he slowed up. Mm, okay. Well, and as Jeff Willis says too, you know, you look at the quarterback's helmet, so that way you get an indication as to where he's looking. And Fields was totally locked in on DJ Moore. I don't think he even which, which could very well be the case. Yeah. No, I, you know, I'm not 100% sure to play it back. Here it comes. He gives Mooney, I think he gives Mooney a little look. Maybe. But look at the top of the route with Moore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Look at the has right. There is a perfect position to be burst out of that cut. Yep. left foot and goes. That's a touchdown. So yeah, who's right. it on? It's on everybody. Not on me, I'll tell you that. First, <laughs> Here's right? Yeah. Here's another one that uh, I thought he could have hit Komet here, but he was focused on DJ Moore's crossing pattern. Watch Komet at the top of the screen. Oh, yep. wide open. Come on, Justin. I was screaming at the TV. <laughs> that, you know, and, and, and I'm, I'm not sticking up for Justin. You got to know who one, two, and three is mm -hmm. in progression. And. <clears throat> Reality is, DJ's been the bread and butter guy. Mm. So he's going to be going that way. That's just, mm -hmm. you know, because it's safe. And then as you play the game more, you're going to see, you know, because he's going to, we see it. He's going to mm -hmm. see that today. Right. Probably already seen it today. You know, being that it's, it's, it's 1130, I'm sure you, Saw it a couple hours ago. Absolutely. You know, and, and and you say that, hey, look at that. And that's how you learn. Right. Um, Swifty wants me to play that again. He's saying that Komet is taking uh, defensive backs with them to leave DJ more open. Yeah, I well, understand. He, he's, he's taking these two guys. Well, you can't see what my fingers are doing. Um, <laughs> I understand that, but he's still open. You lead him towards that far cone on a nicely timed throw. Right, he's still open. Uh, you the know. ball back. Actually, the ball was underthrown a little bit too. Mm -hmm. If he leads, but it's still not going to be a touchdown. Regardless, right. it would have been a touchdown with Komet. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. All right, uh, let's. Wait, uh, speaking of Komet, I got, I got a bone to pick. Oh, good. Okay. Because yeah, I and it just bring it up. Matt is having a career year. Yes. No, no question about it. He's got over mm -hmm. 60 catches now, which already gives him his highest number four four games to go. And there's still yo-yos out there. Well, we got to draft Marvin Harrison and then Bowers with our first two picks. They aren't drafting Bowers at all. Period. Get it out of their head. They just extended Komet. And, and Bowers is a move tight end that, to use my phrase that you love, can't knock a, knock a drunk off the bar stool as a blocker. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. He ain't going to block a drunk whore off a bar stool. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
I want that plate at my funeral. <laughs> if I'm alive. <laughs> I'm sorry, yeah. but the, go ahead. Talk to us about Bowers. No, Bowers is good. But, you know, and it just surprises me that in two off seasons, people can't figure out what Ryan Paul's philosophy is. Mm-hmm. It jumps out at you. You know, it, it's so obvious. He First of all, he's a lineman by trade, okay? His assistant GM is a lineman. He gravitates towards the premium positions. What are the premium positions? I'm sorry, uh, Marvin Harrison fans. One of them ain't wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Offensive line, defensive line, corner, cornerback. Those are the premium positions. And there's a reason why in the last 10 years, there hasn't been a receiver gone higher than five in the draft. And that was Jamar Chase in, in 2020. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, if, if it's the last piece of the puzzle, yeah, I can see somebody trading up to take the guy they perceive as the best receiver. And I purposely said it that way. Because I'll, in the last five days, I've made some phone calls of mine. Marvin Harrison isn't a lock to be the number one receiver in this draft. Wow. He's, the, he's the draft Nick lock mm-hmm. and the analyst lock. But there's a lot of people in the league that got a guy named Malik Neighbors from LSU as number one. Mm-hmm. Someone you love. And so, and why is that? Well, He's not as tall, got long arms, he plays faster, he runs better routes, and the run after catch ain't even close. Hmm. So it's, and I'm not taking anything away from Marvin Harrison. Marvin Mm -hmm. Harrison is a great player, but Marvin Harrison is a product of a publicity machine that is second to none. Right. You know, he's been, and part of it, you know, his dad's in the Hall of Fame. And he had a great quarterback thrown to him a year ago. Mm-hmm. But when we do the exercise we we're planning on doing, mm-hmm. and we, we might want to have a long show and, and, like, show that those clips that are five, six minutes long on each guy and go back to back to back like we used to do to separate guys. And you'll see. Mm-hmm. You, know, you, you and see I, what the difference is. If you know, and, and somebody, there are going to be people that have Marvin Harrison number one, no question about it. But I already know there's people that got Malik Neighbors is number one. So it's now could Harrison still go to number one? And then they see you are wrong. No, depending on who makes the pick. Right, right. You and I talked after the show uh, last year, uh, last week, and last Friday, I think it was, and I said, you know, running backs used to be a premium position, but I think that they've been supplanted by wide receivers because it's a passing league. And Swift is saying wide receiver wasn't a, wasn't a premium position 15 years ago. He thinks that it is now, and I, I agree with him. Uh, do you think that it's a premium position, but not one that you take in the first five, ten picks of an NFL draft because well, there is so many. Between, There's so many coming out of college. You, you, you take them between five and ten. Well, let me 
you just look at, at the numbers too, and, and who is good that didn't go. Mm-hmm. Okay, you got AJ Brown, Philadelphia. You know where he went? Fifty first. Wow. <laughs> I want Devontae <laughs> Adams, perennial. He could be a Hall of Famer, right? Second round. Justin Jefferson, when he's healthy, he hasn't been healthy this year. He's obviously one of the best receivers in the game. Agree or disagree? Agree. Twenty second overall. Wow. Tyreek Hill, pretty good receiver, right? Mm-hmm. Fifth round. Do you have to take a wide receiver in the top five? No. No. Because it's already been proven over and over and over and over again that you can get a great wide receiver between six and five and 15. Makes sense. Five and 20. Uh, Pedro asked. There's a reason why. The last time a, a receiver went first overall in the draft was 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. They're not looked at. The value of the position is a lot higher with fans than it is with decision makers. Very Andy Reid, Andy Reid, who runs I perhaps the best passing game in um, in football, correct? I'd I say. think the last time. He took a receiver in the first round was Jackson in Philadelphia. That might have been, what, 18, 20 years ago? He doesn't believe in it. Okay, so now he's probably taking, does, probably does he's, today. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah but he's, ta- he's taken two in the second round in recent years. Yeah. Or he'll he'll get them in free agency, but his, his philosophy is draft and develop, Mm-hmm. Don't use that premium pick on them. And who was brought up in that? Ryan Poles. Ryan Poles, yeah. Okay, so you got to look at where a guy's been. And in Ryan's case, he's only been in Kansas City. He's been as long now with different regimes within Kansas mm-hmm. City. But the guy before the group there was Scott Pioli. And Pioli was the same way. You know, so it, it's 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 how you develop your you know philosophy. My myself, I would never spend a, a, a top five pick on a wide receiver unless he's the missing link. If he's the missing link, different story. We got a great team. We're one player away. Okay, and I got a tri- chance to take him. And if I and if I'm a great team and one player away. I'm lucky to have that pick because I probably got it through a trade, you know, like the Bears trading down. Now, personally, I think they're not going to be in the top five this year because they're going to trade that top pick. And that's like two weeks away from being the top pick. Right, right. What about Neighbors? Can he play the X receiver? Uh, Swifty says that uh, Neighbors is a DJ Moore cl- clone. We need Marv. He's a little bigger than DJ. He's a little bigger than DJ. Yeah, you know, and that's and Swifty, that's an interesting question. Because in this offense, you want the X to be, and this is is Getze's offense coming from LaFleur, 
And so LaFleur's take on the Shanahan McVeigh offense is that you got to have that big X. Mm-hmm. What if Getsy is in the OC next year? How does that change the profile for the X receiver? That's a great point. We won't know that until January, uh, I'm right. sure. That's right. Um, what about uh, let's talk about the running backs uh, yesterday? You know, I love this trio of running backs, but I am of the opinion, and this is just a personal choice. I would love to see a speedy running back, a four-four running back. You know, used like Tariq Cohen was used. Why are you smiling? <laughs> because Khalil Herbert's a four-four. Well, why is why doesn't it seem like he is? I I don't I don't he's, understand. He's been like four four six. Well, four, well four, seven, and, something like that. Okay, so and he's under contracts for next season, and so now it's it's yeah. about re-signing Deontay Foreman. Do you think the Bears should look at trying to re-sign him? He's he's clearly the number it, one back. May, yeah, I think he's the best back they got. Yeah, I think so too. So um, would you? But be I happy? like I like the way. See, I, I am. What's happened with the running back, and one of the reasons why it's not a premium position anymore is a lot of people are running back by committee, and you mm-hmm. try to get different styles, you know, so they complement each other. And I think for the most part, the Bears have done a pretty good job with that. Roshan's more like Foreman than he is Lil. Okay, and and a year from now, he might be the, the best guy. I think the guy who will be third a year from now is, if Foreman is brought back, is Khalil. Because Khalil has got – he doesn't have the skill set that the other two – he's not a good blocker, and he's a very average pass receiver. He could, His best thing he does is tote the ball. Right. And he got the the fewest snaps of all three running backs yesterday. Um, I I'm pretty sure I'm remembering. I personally that. didn't think they ran the ball enough. Yeah, I, I would agree. With that. I, I I think they needed to, and that's where I think they get. You know, that, that's I think one of my my faults with Getsy is he gets he gets off center sometimes instead of you know get that balanced attack because this line's a pretty darn good run blocking line. They're they're one player away from being a great line. And that's having, you know, a consistent Patrick has his days, but you know, he had one penalty yesterday, a holy penalty, but it cost, you know, reality is it was a 30-35 yard penalty because it cost at least a I don't remember the exact yardage on that play, but it was a toss to commit over the middle for about 20. And then he got the the ten yard penalty, so it's a you know really cost it cost a first down and thirty yards of field position. Um, I think I don't think it was a good call that, that you know because Fields rolled out to the left and the guy turns and so what well, is the good block turns into a hold. Well, you know the the, the official should be smart enough to figure that out. Because you know the defensive guys 
you know, by nature, he's supposed to chase the quarterback. And the quarterback ends up way over on the left side of the field. So if he turns his body, there is going to be a little bit of a natural hold in there. Do you call that? Unless it's like really holding the guy back. And when you play the play over, it wasn't. My um, two cents for what it's worth. Well, it's worth a lot. <clears throat> um, got some questions and thoughts here I want you to respond to. Um Let's see. So Free Palestine wants, Greg, who would you pick if you're the GM of the Bears? Now, of course, it's too early, uh, but you've stated here before that you are thinking they might want to supplement the pass rush. So are you thinking of uh, uh, of one of the premier pass rushers in coming out in the draft? Well, I, I, here's the way I'm going to answer that. Mm -hmm. Number one, it's December 11th. We're not going to know for five weeks who he's even in this draft. All the underclass, there's only been a couple underclassmen, you know, a handful of declared. They've got, except for the guy, they changed, they moved up the day. It used to be the 15th, regardless, unless, you know, but they, they moved it up, I think, to the eighth or ninth, so that the all star games can invite some of those guys to play in the all star. Behind the scenes, they're already invited. They're not supposed to be. They already are. Because it, it's it, – you can't wait till January 8th or 9th. You know, that's ridiculous. They, they, they got to report another week for the damn game. You know, so, you know, the league office has got to be realistic about this. Hmm. The, the only guys who have a later time to – put their name into the draft pool are the guys playing in the, the two teams playing in the national championship. They get an extra week to declare. And so it's not until then that we actually know who's in the draft. Okay. Then, you know, there's a big process. Everybody oh, got to take this guy. Got to take this guy. We'll see. I don't, I don't think like that. I, number one, I don't think like a fan ever. I spent too much time in the front office. I think like a front office guy thinks. Right, right. Okay, and I'm very methodical. Just it's the way you are in the in the business. You go mm -hmm. step by step by step. You know, most teams are using last week or this week to put their original preliminary board together and basically eliminate people mm -hmm. and and. The board now is nothing more than the it, – it's stacked by the highest grade they have in their system on a particular player, and it's stacked by position, not best to worst. So you got gotcha. like, wide receiver stack, the tackle stack, the guard stack, and the number one is the guy who has the highest grade. Now, come April, that guy's probably not going to be the number one at that position because they're going to have a lot more information. You know, you're going to end up having, you know, at least a half a dozen reports mm -hmm. on the guy. The coaches haven't even gotten involved yet, and their opinion matters. So you're going to have the position coach, the coordinator, maybe even the head coach. And, you know, so he's going to get involved in the report process, in the evaluation process. You got to enter those grades into the system. 
you got to get a medical because that's the most important part. And, and then there's the interviews. And in, in the case of some positions, you know, some positions more than others, the pro day and or private workout, and I'm a huge believer in private workouts in guys that you want to take high because number one, you know, you're not spending, you get, to, you don't spend any time and you got 20 minutes to work out a guy at a pro day and you're sharing them with a bunch of other coaches. You got, you, you have a private workout. You got eight hours if you want it, mm. you know, the, the guy's yours. And that's exactly what they did with Darnell White. Right. They went down there, you know, worked the hell out of the kid in order and, and really got a good feeling for him. And then on top of that, you're getting him on the board, which brings me to another point, you know, the center position. Well, got to take a center high. Is a center, how many centers can come in from college, play right away and be good? Very, very few. And with this particular offensive line, is it, and I think we talked about this once before, is it a good idea? Because you've got a very inexperienced offensive line. Mm -hmm. When you look at, you know, years of service within the league, do you have a guard sitting right now with on this team? Because I don't have the answer. I don't know what the answer is. Who can come up to the line of scrimmage and make the line calls? Because I guarantee you, a rookie ain't doing it. Right. Okay, so you got to have a guard do it. And unless that rookie is rare, mm -hmm. it can, yeah, can it happen? Yeah. Has it happened? Yeah. But it's, they're very few. It's not like you see a bunch of them coming in every year. So, you know, the kid from, from Iowa that went to the Ravens, he's one of the rare ones. He's like a four-year starter at Iowa. And Iowa usually comes up with some really smart, if you look at the history of Iowa linemen, Mm -hmm. They're very astute, smart, well-coached players. Not all of them are the greatest athletes, but they know what the hell they're doing. Mm -hmm. And so is there a guy in this draft? There's some guys with some really good physical traits. Okay. But is he a guy that can come in as a rookie and run the line? Because that's what the center is going to be asked to do. All right. Need so a are you strong. better off? Yeah. Are you better off? going out and get a four or five year bet in free agency and paying some money. That's what Swift uh, just posted and named a, a few uh, potential prospects in the free agency. Got a bunch of questions here. Let's uh, get through some of them. Uh, Creighton, even before the show started, posed this question. Greg, with your friends in the league, what have you heard about how the Bears are handling Justin Fields? Not much because teams don't Comment about other teams' players. Mm -hmm. Very rarely. Ha haven't you heard from people who were formerly in the league offer you some opinions about uh, Justin's, you know, uh, and the compatibility between the coaching staff and, and, and Justin? Well, you know, the guy who's probably the, the most vocal, and I don't really know him, is Chase Daniel. Yeah. And, and, you know, the guy knows the position, 
knows offense, he should be a coach. Mm-hmm. It's pretty knowledgeable. Yeah. Um, but he probably doesn't want to have to put in coaching hours. I tell you, people don't realize how long coaches work. Yeah. Those guys work. They earn every penny. They work their hearts off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Next question. Um, <clears throat> what about Frank Reich to replace Luke Getze? It's been mentioned uh, a few times in the chat room. The former Eagles head coach, former uh, Colts head coach, former Panthers head coach, recently fired. What do you think about him? Frank Reich. I know Frank Reich. Only met a few times. But I know Frank Wright, number one, he's a quality person. His offense is part his own. A lot of it is Ted Marchabrota from the Jim Kelly years when he played when he was the backup to Jim Kelly and they had the K gun. They run a lot of that same stuff. Mm-hmm. And he's He's very good with coaches. He got put into an awful, awful, awful situation in Carolina. Through, you know, he probably never should have taken the job because that owner might be the absolute worst owner in football. Six head coaches in six years. Come on, give me a break. You know, it, it, it's that, that's terrible. Um, when he, when he, he was handed a bad deck of cards when he went to the Colts. One of the best quarterbacks in the league quits. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's pro- he's probably looked at entirely differently if Andrew Luck is still playing football. Because probably Frank Reich's still in, in, in Indy. Yeah. You know, right. yeah, so – um, but the most important thing is he's got a deep respect for Flus, and Flus has got a deep respect for him. So is it out of the picture? No. Would he do it? Maybe. Hell, he's getting paid from two teams now. Maybe you take the, <laughs> maybe you get take the free vacation. I don't, I don't know. That's what I would do. Well, here's, how that, here's how that works. This is interesting. <laughs> the money that Indy owed him, the remaining money that Indy owed him, mm-hmm. they owed him quite a bit because he had signed an extension like two years before, a year before. And that is offset against the money that Carolina paid. But Carolina knows that Indy already owes him a lot of money. So they, they backload the contract. They pay him very little out of their pocket oh. and let Indy pay him. Basically, <laughs> Indy, it's coming out of their pocket, but they're getting reimbursed from Indy. Gotcha. So it's not really costing them money. And then it's not until the end of the contract that he's really collecting two paychecks. Mm-hmm. Or rather, you know, then he's just getting one. But he's he's not going to ever lose a penny. But you know what I mean with the. Oh yeah, he's got a pension plan. <laughs> no, I mean he's got he's got the offset, so he's going to get, you know, he's getting every penny that he's supposed to get from those two teams. Indeed. 
Good for him. He deserves the money. Was treated unfairly. Um, all right. PC wants to know, Greg, what do you think about Detroit moving Penai Soul around to change the defensive gaps? Only did it when Dexter and Pickens were in. PC, that's uh, to me, uh, that's a great eye. I did not notice that. And I have not looked at the All 22 because it's not available until later today. Did you notice that at all, uh, Greg? No. And, and, you know, when I do look at the All 22, I'll take a look. Um, I don't know why they, unless that Dexter scares them or something, that they'd have to move him around to be on Dexter. But Gervon Dexter's gotten a lot better in the last month. Yes, yes. You know, the lights turning on. Mm -hmm. He's playing an entirely different scheme than he played at in his entire college career. He was a two gap from college. This is a one gap attack scheme. You know, they're like night and day for what the, the defensive lineman's being asked to do. So, you know, now he's putting it all together. Uh, you know, I, I think he's going to be a force in, in years to come. Hmm. By the way, our resident Lions fan, Don Burr, is You're in. Crazy me. Okay. Uh, hold on a second. I know why. Better now? Better now? Is it better now? No, now you're frozen, but I can hear you. No. Nope. Okay. As long as you can hear me. You're moving as long your lips. You can I hear can't me. hear you. Then... Now you're good. Hold on a second. Okay. Now you're good. Uh, Don Burr. Don Burr is our resident uh, Lions fan. He just joined us. Uh, he didn't get an opportunity to hear what you have to say about the Detroit Lions. You want to repeat it for him, please? <laughs> Don, my friend, how many games have have your favorite team? The lionesses won against <laughs> How many times have they beaten a winning team all year? There you go. And if you look, you'll see it's once. <laughs> That's right. And your team's a fraud. And in the last month, they've been one of the worst teams in football. There Not the worst, one of the worst. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Carolina uh, and Arizona and New England are, are below. <laughs> and even New England won the other day. Poor, poor Belichick. He, he, I don't even know. He's probably ready to, you know, meet his creator or something. He's going crazy. He's not used to all this. He He's lost more this year than he loses in his career. Do you think he's going to retire? I don't know. I, I don't know. You know what? A, a coach doesn't want to – a guy who's been really successful – and I, you know, I worked with Bill for seven years, so I obviously it's been a long time since that's that has taken place. But guy's ultra competitive, mm -hmm. and he's who now wants to go out that way? You know, so yeah. if it's his choice, two things. I'll go turn another place around, but he's under contract, so they'd have to fire him or let him quit. You know, because he just signed an extension last yeah. year, I think. Right. You know, they keep that really quiet in, in New England. It's like the, you know, the CIA building or something. Nothing yeah. comes out of there unless they want it out. That seems to be a trend throughout the NFL. We don't know how yeah. long Eberflus's and Pulse's contracts are either. So maybe you know. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't really care. <laughs> I don't. It's, a minimum, it's a minimum of four years. Yeah. 
and typically five. All right, uh, some more questions here. STC Scott, what do you think about Jerzon Newton, somebody you and I have talked about, defensive lineman? He plays a lot of three-tech for Illinois, but they also he use him throughout. Five. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I see him as a middle first-round pick and could possibly even move up higher if he has a great combine and – I'm not sure if he's going to any all-star games, but I like him. If you can't find a outside pass rusher, maybe Newton is the guy to, to target in the middle of the first round. I, I cannot see that happening because okay. they, they took, they've already extended billings and you've got Pickens and your Dexter who they really like. Right just going into their second year, it just would not make sense to me to use a premium pick on another interior defensive lineman. And and as we've said, like every week for the last month, Jones is really playing good football. Now, he's out of contract, right? but he's only making $4 million. Right. You know, so do you bring him back? Mm-hmm. Give him four and a half. I, you know, I don't know. And, and to me, the, the question is, yeah, there's no question. Just from a cap purpose, like people say, well, they should go out and try to uh, sign the guy from Minnesota or Burns from Carolina. Can't see that happening either. They've already spent twenty-four million dollars a year or whatever the hell it is on Montez Sweat. Okay, and, and one thing we know about Poles is he's he's going to be very wise in how he spends his money and in what position groups he gives his money to. Mm-hmm. And and now I could see them trying to get uh, and Gakwe back on a team friendly deal. Probably another, you know, one year. Not a lot that they do it, but I could see it happening. And then you draft a rookie high because number one, that's the the really the only premium position other than quarterback because mm-hmm. he didn't draft Justin that he hasn't taken. And right. from a cap purpose, you want to have a guy. Robinson, you know, they took in the fourth round. They took on traits. He's kind of fizzled out. You know, he, he's been inactive most of the last five, six games. So that tells you right away where he fits in the game plan. You know, mm-hmm. so I, 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 to me, it's a lot. There is going to be an edge player taken, it's, and it's going to be high. I personally think it's going to be one of those – Two first. Um, I also think that unless they totally feel that Justin just isn't the guy that they're going to trade that Carolina pick and, you know, try to get another and end up with another number one next year plus what you get this year for it. And then you're going to have, you know, dual picks in the first round for, for multiple years. But, you know, I, 
is there any assurance that any of these quarterbacks are going to be any better than Justin? Nope. That's right. Nope. But and, uh, and, you know, he's gonna, and part of that equation, mm-hmm. but they'll get it. I mean, you know, you, he trades a pick. He did it in March. Okay, he's still not, you know, he's going to do it before free agency and after the combine. Okay. Mm. But by then, if, he, if they keep Getsy or they go out and they get another guy, that guy's favorite or how he has them ranked will be in the system. They'll know what he thinks. Mm. And they already know what I'm sure Ryan already has in his mind who he likes, you know, among the quarterbacks. I'd like this guy first, this guy second, this guy third, et cetera. Uh, Ian, probably the same way. Um, does the team as a whole have them ranked yet? One, two, three? No, they never do. They won't. They, they won't for a while yet. They'll start to do that in February. Um, mm-hmm. So, it, it, but the whole thing will be interesting. I just think that if it's not going to be that far off before we know. I'm going to say, what is December 11th, January, February? Three months max, and probably a lot less than that, that we know that they're either going with Justin or he might flat out say, you know, middle of January, number one's for sale. And right there's the answer. Yeah, right. Well, the Justin I saw yesterday, I wouldn't mind writing with, by the way, uh, sports Chicago style, and I've confirmed this, Dewan Johnson, the massive six foot eight, 3,000 pounds, is out for the season with a knee injury. That's going to be a huge advantage for the Chicago Bears pass rush with this immobile Joe Flacco at quarterback. I know Dewan Jones was not. I don't know if even played yesterday, though. Oh, really? Because I, I, I think I, he was hurt going into that game. Oh, uh, okay. So, uh, well, we definitely won't see him, and um, that's got to be good news for Yannick. And, and Yannick, yeah, it's Yannick. And uh, Montez. Uh, let's see. Josh wants to know: Would you switch Tyreek Stevenson to safety to replace Eddie Jackson and place Terrell Smith opposite of Jalen Johnson if we sign resign Jalen? <laughs> I, I, I'm not laughing because of the question. I'm laughing because of the guy who would give the answer, who I already know his answer, because we've had the conversation a gazillion times when we work together with the Bears, and that's John Hope, who coaches the the corners. Right. So I've had that conversation. What do you think, John? Can we move this guy to safety? Greg, do you know how difficult it is to move a corner to safety? Tell me, John. It's an entirely different position. A corner is playing basically a quarter of the field, and he sees a quarter of the field. A safety is playing in the middle of the field and has to cover the whole field. Mm-hmm. Everything about the position is totally different. Unless the guy is really smart and really instinctive, he cannot make the change. Interesting. That's exactly what John Hoke is going to say. Now, does that mean 
Tyreek can or can't do it. Mm-hmm. I can't answer that. I don't know the guy. I've never coached him, but John right. does. Right. And so if you saw that happen, it's because John believes that he can do it. But you want that free safety to be a ball hawk, mm-hmm. right? Yes. How, how many picks does Stevenson have? How many did just, he have in college? Yeah. Not three a lot. Of, yeah. Interesting. Okay. Well, uh, and I, I think he might be uh, – somebody po- posted that Tariq has been about average this season. Average is a great starting point for for a rookie cornerback. A rookie corner is a hard freaking position to play. <laughs> yeah. The, this guy's going to get better. I wouldn't touch him. Lot, what's good is that well, both John and the staff, the whole staff, mm-hmm. like both him and Smith. Yeah, Smith is dead. Smith was a steal, but I love Smith. I mean, you know, I, I, I like Smith when I did tape on him last year, recommended him to the Shrine Bowl. Mm-hmm. Hands down the best corner at the Shrine Bowl. I thought he was a third-round pick every day of the week. And how they got him in the fifth, and he runs 4-4, jumps out of the building, is is beyond me. You know, he's got real long arms. He's over six feet tall. What am I missing here? And then he comes in, and he's playing really good as a rookie. Pretty damn good. No doubt about it. All right, uh, people have some player evaluation questions for you. It's early in that process, but uh, I'll throw a couple out here. What do you think about Chop Robinson? Love the, him. Oh, the Penn State DE. Love him. I want to know exactly how big he is. Yeah, he, he looks looked, bigger this year than he did last year. He, he looked like 235 last year. Mm-hmm. Um, he hadn't declared yet. And he, he got dinged up a little bit this year. I think he got a concussion or something, but, you know, he missed a game and a half at least. Uh, real, real, real explosive. And, I, you know, I, I think if he's big enough, he's going to be a really good pro. I, no, awesome. I, I, I like him. I mean, Leitu was my – Throw out the injury because that's out of our control. Late two mm-hmm. is my number one edge. Um, and that's if he stands alone. Then the next would be Dallas Turner. And the next would probably be Chop. And then Verse might be fourth. Now, when you list those guys, as you just did, uh, are they? Uh, are you taking into account the Bears' current scheme and probably will be moving forward? If he refers well, I, to I think all those guys can play within the Bears' scheme. Leitu usually plays on his feet. Mm-hmm. Now, Leitu and Dallas have dropped into coverage. They mm-hmm. play – Dallas Turner plays both up and down, but there are a lot of plays where he drops in the coverage. That's that's the way they're, they're played, um, at, at, you know, the play the position at Alabama. But 
within this game, can he do what he wants? Absolutely. All those guys can. The, the only thing I want to know on, on Chop Robinson is what what's the ver because he's an underclassman. We don't know what's his verified size. Right. Hopefully we'll learn quick enough. Uh, Berlisma says Chop is going to be a third down specialist initially. I think Latu could play all three downs day one. I, I, I wouldn't argue with that. Um, all right, uh, we got a question from both Jeff and Tim. Uh, they are Notre Dame fans and want to know if you would take Audric Estime, the running back from Notre Dame, if he's available in round three. He would make a great replacement for Deontay Foreman, and he's faster. I'm betting. I don't know for sure, but I'm I, betting I think, that he's faster. Well, I, you know how fast Foreman Deontay? was coming out? No. About 445. Really? Ooh. Really? Wow. Okay, that's probably what happened. They're never. Hey, they play a couple of years and get the, their legs banged around. They're never as fast a few years in the league. That's right. Um, I don't think I like Estime a lot. I don't think he's going to run as fast as Foreman ran coming out. Mm -hmm. Okay, I think he's probably going to run in the four or five somewhere. Guy's a hell of a back. Um, If they were not going to re-sign Foreman, I'd think about it. Okay, if but as compared to who, I, I think he, if he's not the best back in this draft, he's the second best. You know, the guy's really good. He might not last till the third round. He isn't going in the first. I don't see the, I don't see a, a running back going in the first. The guy's really good. He can catch the ball. Mm -hmm. You know, he can block. He, he's he's got an all around game. He's still a young kid. He's only a junior from New York City. Um, he, he's, he's a quality player. Yeah. I, so I, was, I Was there somebody else he liked? Uh, Joe Gris is saying, uh, I like Estimate, but prefer a scat back. And that's, you know, you said earlier in the show, that's really kind of Khalil Herbert. Uh, but I, Well, I, I, Khalil Ber Herbert's fast. They don't have a Cohen. You know, it, 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 what it gets down to, Aldo, is what's your run scheme? And, and what, what you know, I keep talking about profiles. Mm -hmm. What's your profile for the back? They might not want that kind of guy. Fans may want that kind of guy, but the coaching staff may not. It doesn't seem like the Bears really, you know, have that as a high priority, a, a scat back, you know, highly speedy back, because they've bypassed. What, what, do, what do you think of them using – DJ at, at running back for a few plays. Loved it. I, you know, we talked about uh, him being like a Debo Samuel type player. Why not use him the way the 49ers have? Debo's probably the hottest I, I, player I agree. offensively right now in the NFL. Got a couple of more questions, maybe maybe three or so. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to save that one for last. Um, <laughs> why, Greg, this, this, this one just came in. Greg, why are teams wrong? on quarterback evaluation so often it's a great great point it's a very it's difficult because it's a number one it's a hard position to evaluate mm -hmm. there's probably not as many real good quarterback evaluators as there needs to be because more often than not you're wrong you fall in love with something mm-hmm might be the person or whatever and and, and and when it's a coach a lot of times is 
yeah, he's got a fault, but I can fix it. You know, so the ego comes into play. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's there's a lot of gut feeling with a quarterback, and it makes up. You know, this year go into the year and then even go through the first half of the season. Caleb Williams was head to shoulders number one. And he fell off and he didn't just fall off. He hit the express elevator. (laughs) And it's like he went from the penthouse to the basement real, real quick. And to me, you got to find out why. That is like the big question. Whoever wants to draft a quarter, you got to talk to the head coach and their OC, mm-hmm. who's been a head coach in the league. So, and find out what the hell happened to this kid. And they're crying in mama's arms on national TV. You know, that didn't sit well with a lot of people. Yeah. Personally, mm-hmm. I don't. Give a damn one way or the other. He's emotionally wanted to win. He didn't win. But there's a lot of people that just, and there's people in the league that thought, I don't know about him. You know, so you got to, you notice though, dad was real outspoken. Dad hadn't said a freaking word a couple months now. Yeah, which is a good idea. He <laughs> should keep his mouth shut. Um, you're, uh, of course, Patrick Mahomes, the big outburst yesterday. Toreen wanted to know what your thoughts were on his outburst towards the referees for calling the offsides play on Kadarius Tony. He had his body, according to the official who spoke with the media afterwards, his body was hiding sight of the ball. And so he, he was, when, I've seen somebody, he was offsides. Oh, without fact, a doubt. A, okay. Now, I've seen some things and some guys said, well, the official, and Andy said it after the game, but Andy's trying to just stick up for a player because right. what Andy said is a total fallacy. So, well, the official's supposed to warn the guy. That is not true. The wide receiver has the option to turn to the official and say, am I good? In which case, the, the official does not. He's under no obligation to answer. But if he's a nice guy, he'll probably say, no, move back. You know, and... and and let him do it. Now, here's the, the rest of the story. Is an official uh, uh, under the obligation to tell a defensive end that he's lined up offsides? Have you ever seen it? No, of course not. It's nope. on the player. Right. This guy's a freaking pro. Learn where the line of scrimmage is. Yeah. You know, so Andy was like way off his rocker coming out when they usually warn you. No, they don't. It's on the receiver to ask the question. Rex Ryan this morning on ESPN said of all his years coaching, he has never had an official turn to him and say, your guy is off sides or helped in any way. He said that that's bogus. It might might have happened. You often see a receiver put his hand out like this, turn to the official just to get a a nod or a no. And then, you know, and, and, but again, who initiates it? The receiver, and that's that's fair. But again, I'm just going to repeat it last time. The official is under no obligation to even answer. Okay, here's that last question uh, that the 
<laughs> I saved. Hey, Greg, now would be a good time to talk about what happened with the Ravens in the 2011 draft. And that is the I wasn't episode. at that draft. That was Tim Russell. But you know what year. happened. <laughs> Somebody told yeah, you what happened. No, no, I know what happened. They were going <laughs> to – they had a deal. They, they wanted to take Karimi, to move up to take Karimi, and then Karimi ended up falling right there laughing, so they backed out of the deal. Uh-huh. But you know what? There's no deal until it's sent into the league. Ravens were really pissed. Well, they can be pissed all they want. There's no deal until it's sent into the league. And Ozzy and Jerry are good friends. Do I think that damaged our relationship? Not a bit. Not a bit? Okay. There you go, Zach. Got time for one more. You and I got into – it, was, it wasn't a disagreement, but I uh, responded to a Ross Reed post on X saying that, you know, the whole narrative that Matt Nagy is to blame for Patrick Mahomes' performance this season is wrong. And I said, well, that's kind of debatable because Matt Nagy doesn't respect the run game. And if you don't have quality wide receivers – why are you throwing the ball so often and critical times? He doesn't call the plays. But he does – what I told you was he does have influence. He's in the ear of the, uh, of the head coach. He's in the uh, ear of the quarterback. Not, that's, well, he's not the quarterback coach either. He's the OC. But you, see that, him, you see him with Mahomes all the time in the sideline. Sure you do. Sure you do. But you, you see the offensive line coach with the offensive lineman when they come off the field, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, sure. So it, that's his job to do that. But, you know, and, and I worked for Andy for a year, so I, I, I know how he works. That's sure. Andy's show, Andy's offense. The game plan is centered around how Andy wants to do it. Do the what, – what happened? I lose you? I'm here. No, oh, there we are. Somehow I lost you. The – um. They can make suggestions during the week when they're putting the the game plan together, but the guy who puts the stamp on it is Andy Reid, and so that that's his input is no more than a, a, an ordinary assistant coach. Like I said, at, at that particular place. It's the same with with uh, the L.A. Rams, same with the San Francisco 49ers, same with the Green Bay Packers. The head coach is the, the O.C. You got a guy who's got the title, and during the week he is, you know, running a lot of meetings and stuff because the, the head coach has got a lot of stuff to do. But when it comes to the important thing, and that is, the, the actual play calls and what the game plan is, Shanahan's doing that, McVay's doing that, LaFleur's doing that, and Andy's doing that. Do you yeah. think Matt Nagy will ever get another interview to be a head coach? May get an interview. I don't know if he'll ever get a job. Yeah, I've, I thought I'd start at the bottom level and then progress. No, I, <laughs> you can never say never because – you know, Belichick failed with his first mm-hmm. coaching job. There's guys who have failed, um, and you learn from failing. Yeah. yeah. You know, so uh, – but 
he wasn't that impressive overall, except for his first year. He wasn't that impressive as a head coach. Yeah. You know, he, he started off his first year and got in the playoffs. And then it was downhill from there. He sneaked into the playoffs one year uh, at, with an 8-8 eight and eight record, the last uh, season of a 16-game regular season. Uh, and it was uh, pretty embarrassing to have our Bears in the playoffs with that kind of a performance throughout hey, the season. What, there, there might be a team with a losing record in the playoffs this year from the mm-hmm. NFC. Wow. Right now, right now, the wild cards in the like two wild cards in the, in the NFC would have losing records if the season ended today. Well, let's. Uh, f- thankfully, it's not going to be over. We've got four more games. We've got a game against Cleveland, and Greg and I will be back here next Monday to talk about that. I want to thank the hundreds watching here on YouTube and hundreds more watching on Twitter. We uh, need thousands. We need thousands. So it is your job to hit like and to share this show with others. Please do so as a favor to Greg and myself. We really appreciate you, Greg, as always. We'll I got to tell you, I, 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 I love doing this. It's a, lot, <laughs> right. it's, a lot, it's a lot of fun. I can be an asshole and, and get away with it. So, um, <laughs> I'm going to post your comments about the Lions on social media, so be ready. <laughs> I've already did it. I appreciate all the input we get from the listeners. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you, Swifty. I, I appreciate that. Um, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. I am... I'm going to say what I think. And as I said earlier, I do not think like a fan. And I will never think like a fan. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the reasons I'm here. Because I, I give, I think, I don't think, I know, I give a perspective that you're not going to hear from a lot of people because they haven't been in the position that I've been in. They don't have the experience that I have. So mm-hmm. I, I try to play off of that experience and what I've learned. And I've learned from some of the best who were ever in the business. Well, and, to build ourselves. And what? And that's. I mean, you've got so many stories that we still have not even started to, you know, uncover some of these stories. Well, should we do a story show? Yeah, we should definitely do a story show. That last that, Friday's Q and A. Take me. That would that would take me probably <laughs> two or three days just to come up with. Yeah. You know, with strong thinking of just, okay, come up with some good stories. Now, some are, you know, we probably couldn't repeat, but um, <laughs> that's the ones I really want to hear. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I remember one. You, you remember Mark Bavaro? Oh, yes. Yeah. The tight end Giants. <laughs> yeah, we took them my first draft with the Giants, or second draft with the Giants. Took him in the fourth round. And he was like Campbell in that, you know, as a rookie, he didn't say a freaking word. But the toughest, nastiest guy you ever saw in your life when he was on the field. So we're in line. Um, training camp that year was up in 
Pleasantville, New York, and and we're in the cafeteria for dinner. And we had a defensive lineman who was no longer with us, Lamar Leachman, who was, I can tell you a million stories about him, but, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I might get thrown in jail because, you know, his his act wouldn't work in today's world. Put it that way. You know, he couldn't get away with it. I'd do him private, but I, I, I wouldn't do it here. Um, even though, I mean, people would say, because Lamar is really a good guy, people say, oh, he's racist. You know, I, I, I can say that because, but you know what? Every African-American player just loved the guy to death. Mm. You know, so, and, and played their ass off for him. And, you know, and he loved them. But, you know, he's an old Southern guy and just all the shit that came out of his mouth was a little bit too off color. Yeah. But anyway, um, so we're in line for dinner and if I was a rookie and Lamar, who's got this, he's from South Carolina, he's got this real heavy Southern accent. He says, hey, Bavaro, you really <laughs> think you're something, don't you? He said, Jerry Faust didn't think you're very good. Who was, you know, the head coach. Yeah. And Bavaro looks at him and says, fuck Faust. And then, and then <laughs> Parcells right there, too. And Parcells looks at Lamar and says, Lamar, you better not fuck with that guy. <laughs> Great advice from the legendary Parcells. That is so good. All right. We've got many more of those stories coming up in the weeks ahead. Draft talk. And, of course, we're going to be following these Chicago Bears uh, because I think there was a statement win last night. <laughs> it's a good win. It's a good win. <laughs> I, win at I, home, know. second win in a row against the second win in a row, second win in a row against a division opponent. Great win. That's huge. That is okay. huge. State <clears throat> beat San Francisco, <laughs> beat Philly. Yeah, that's not going to happen. City. Maybe okay. in the first round of the playoffs, we'll get an opportunity. So. Maybe. <laughs> Got to get that, that first. Game, you know, making the play, playoffs would be a statement. Yeah, indeed. Especially with the way they started. Mm. Oh, yeah. Coach of the year, Matt Eberflus. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, people. Stop. You know, as much as I dislike Mark Schlereth as a commentator, yeah. the absolute worst guy on, on Fox by far. And poor Adam, Adam Amin, because Adam Amin is excellent. He really is. Very, very good play-by-play guy. He just gets, I, I don't know, he, he must have done something bad that he gets stuck with this guy. So, <laughs> but... Schlereth did have one comment that was actually pretty good. It's almost like, Jesus, where'd you pull that one out of? <laughs> My problem with Schlereth is he doesn't do any work. You know, he he, he does no freaking homework. And, mm-hmm. and it comes out so often during a game. He uses his experience as a player, but he doesn't know jack shit about the teams he's He's covering, or you yeah. know, or he's you know doing the the color on. So, but anyway, he said, you know, he was back and forth on the Bears all day, and if you, you what you probably know, just listening. But he did say one thing. He goes, "Well, this team could very well turn out to be like Detroit last year." 
you know, started off poor. Yeah. I think yeah. Detroit started off one and six. That's right. And then yeah. and went on that big win streak. Well, mm -hmm. you know, there's still four to go. It remains to be seen. But is it out of the realm of possibility? No. Nothing is until, you know, week at a time. Exactly. Then next week, you know what? It's a little, might be a little easier. Yep. And, and that's good. It's going to be a really, really tough football game. It's going to be perhaps maybe the, the game of the season to watch if you're a Chicago Bears fan. This is going to be a true test, and it's going to be that Browns defense is outstanding. So uh, the, the great news is that we don't have Matt Nagy calling the plays for Justin Fields like he did in Fields' first start, which was in Cleveland, and that was one of the worst coached games that I've ever seen in my life, probably the worst. Call my brother and see if he's going to the game because he, he's a season ticket holder of the Browns. Well, I don't know. Interesting. He lives in Avon, Ohio. You know where Avon is? Avon. Avon Lakes. Avon Lakes. He lives. It's it's a uh, western suburb. It, it's he's not associated with the fragrance 20 minutes, company. Twenty minutes from the no. He he's he's actually retiring the first of the year. Um, he worked for this national company that does. Uh, sewage treatment and water reclamation and mm -hmm. stuff, and then they had a big the the water system in Cleveland is like ancient, and they were totally revamp it, you know, and, and a lot of it, you know, is underwater revamping a lot of tunnel work, you know, it's like a twenty year job. Wow! So he originally came to Cleveland as the consultant. Where the you know the Cleveland municipality itself was doing the work, his company was the consultant, mm -hmm. and so he oversaw the whole job. Still does, but got hired by Cleveland. Oh wow! You know, away from the the um, away from the company he was working for for a long time to run that whole thing. Gotcha. And but he is retiring the first of the year. So um and they're still not done with the project, but you know, he has spent God, what she's been there. Well, it's longer than Robin and I have been married. So he's been there over 20 years working on that one freaking job. So he's not a Bears fan though, right? No, he's a Bills fan and a Browns fan. Gotcha. Well, if he goes to the game, ask him to pop in here for five minutes and give us his report of what he saw. Yeah, well, he'll be he'll be working. He, he not re, he's retired for and not for another what three weeks, and then he, then he can. But yeah, <laughs> sounds good. All right, everybody, uh, that is it for GTF with the great Greg Gabriel. That's a tongue twister. Great Greg Gabriel. Uh, my name is Aldo Gandia. we got more programming ahead. The best way to stay on top of stuff is to subscribe, and you will get alerts on what, uh, whatever device you uh, subscribe with, and you'll know that we're on the air live. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. See you later. Thank you. He did good, you know. I uh, think he had a little mishaps with the ball, but other than that, he played good. And 
you know, he's still growing and getting better every week. So these last, what we got four, how many games we got? Four games? Hmm. We might see some uh, 